breaking news, everybody. We have our first Patreon patron sponsor. <laughs> Yay, Artie Allen. Big shout out. Thanks for being the first Patreon sponsor. Thanks for showing your support for the podcast. It means the world. And if you want to be a Patreon sponsor, patron, <laughs> like Artie, you can head over to patreon.com slash the podcast and there's all different levels of rewards like I say in the outro every week and you can get your own very own shout out as well. Hey everybody welcome back to the podcast. I am your host Mandy and before we get into today's into today's wonderful show <laughs> right off the bat I gotta thank Podbelly. So it's the Podbelly Network. Head over to podbelly.com for a great podcast network of whatever you could want to listen to for podcasts. There's Changing Hearts and Minds and podcasts we listen to and we're not sure yet and a whole host of other podcasts for whatever topic you could want to listen to. And over there, you're guaranteed to find something something that you'll enjoy. And all this month of May, it is May the Pork Be With You. So if you head over to the shop and look for the I Love Bacon code, or bacon sticker, sorry, you can enter the code Kevin the Pig and get a free sticker sent to you. So head on over there, check that out. Maybe buy some other merch while you're there. Maybe a nice pink piggy shirt, something along, the, along those lines. There's even fanny packs. I mean, who doesn't love fanny packs, right? So head on over, check that out. Check out the podcast, check out the shop. Check out everything you could want for podcasts at podbelly.com. So today's show is about probably one of the most haunted places in town. Um, in Thunder Bay, Ontario, where I live, there's a really well-known haunted hotel. Um, I did a previous episode on Trowbridge Falls, which is sort of a haunted outdoor area. And this one is a haunted building, <laughs> a haunted building in town. So a little bit of background. Um, Thunder Bay used to be made up of two smaller towns. There was Fort William in the south and Port Arthur in the north. And in the 60s, they decided to get together and become one one big town. Um, a lot of the people still refer to, refer to different parts of town as Fort William and Port Arthur, even though they've tried to get away from it and call it, you know, the South Core and the North Core. No, we still call it Fort William and Port Arthur. That's just sort of how it is and how it'll always be. But back when we were going to talk about this hotel being built, it was still Port Arthur. So in 1908, while traveling to Winnipeg, John James Carrick and Sir William Mackenzie and Sir Donald Mann were playing poker in a private train car. In the early morning hours, Carrick told the other two men that Port Arthur needed a good hotel and that the Canadian Northern Railway should build one um, and they even had land land for it that they would offer them. So in April of 1909 the city held a, a plebiscite which is I guess a, an open vote for all the citizens to decide if they wanted to transfer this land to the Canadian National Railway and they did. They voted on, on giving them the land to build a brand new wonderful beautiful grand hotel. Uh, on March 14th, 1911, the hotel was finally done. It had taken a few years to build and it was named Prince Arthur. So the brand new Prince Arthur Hotel had its grand opening dinner, an event where over a hundred specially selected guests sat down to an 18 course meal of classical French cuisine 
and I guess the menu actually consisted of a lot of stuff that we, <laughs> that we have listed. So there was caviar, there was blue points on shell, um, tomato, stuffed celery, radishes, and olives. The main courses were beef tenderloin, um, medallions of halibut, potatoes, <laughs> chicken with fresh mushrooms, um, potatoes and cream, champagne, salad Prince Arthur, which I'm not really sure what what exactly, you know, it's special house one, I guess, um, souffle and cognac. So it was a real, a big fancy ordeal. Um, it'd be fancy even by today's standards, but it was extra fancy back in 1911. And then in 1921, um, well, I guess before we get to that, so it was a well-known hotel. It was, you know, a higher, classier one um, for upper-class people. And then in 1921, there was a meeting of what is now known as, like, the Canadian Legion. And it was Canadian veterans who got together, and they they decided that they are going to, I guess, adopt the poppy as a symbol of remembrance in, in Canada. Um, there wasn't really, I guess, a symbol before then. So you think of like, I don't know if they have that in the, in the United States, but in Canada for Remembrance Day, we usually wear a poppy on our jacket. Um, it's just something that we've, I guess, always done since 1921. And that was something that was first started in Thunder Bay. And that year on November 11th, 1921 is when they first put it out to the public. So that's kind of cool that, you know, that came, came from Thunder Bay and there's a few, you know, other thing, little tidbits <laughs> like that I've discovered through the years. So it's something new that you learn every time you do a, a podcast topic and investigate things. <laughs> so, you know, in the hotel, when it was built, um, there was tunnels built underneath of it. One tunnel led to the lake shore while the other tunnel you was used to connect to a neighboring hotel which is now um, a government building across the street. So that kind of leads into, you know, how things were built back then with tunnels and hidden rooms and hidden hallways and, you know, hidden stairways and everything. Um, it's a pretty big hotel. It had, you know, a few stories added on years later. It sits on this weird little hotel or little hill, I should say. And overlooks the waterfront and it's just a really beautiful hotel um I've been in it a couple times and it's just really got you know all the ornate um banisters and just designs around the corners and the ceilings and everything and it's one of those ones that you would think was a hotel that was built in you know the early 1900s that's just sort of how it looks and how it is so the other thing about the hotel uh, which I guess you can guess by clicking on this episode uh, is that it's haunted. <laughs> so over the years, there's been a lot of reports of several ghosts and areas of it being haunted. But the most well-known part, I guess, of it that is haunted is room 203. So room 203 is where a longtime hotel re- resident had once lived. Um, they're not really sure if he had passed away in the room or if he had passed away somewhere else and just decided that that was his spot where he was going to be. But it's said that Harvey, I guess as he's known, still haunts the room. Um, People still report smells of cigar smoke in the room and in the area and on the second floor. 
end at one point over the years when the hotel staff had taken photos down of him in the halls that the room flooded and didn't stop until the pictures were put back on the wall. So it's kind of a spooky area, I guess. Um, it's kind of where, you know, most of the haunting seems to be concentrated. And the other part is that there are tales of ghosts in the basement. Um, staff have seen apparitions of what they say is a former employee, maybe from the early 1900 days was seen in long, um, wearing a long flowing outfits. Um, there's ones that were seen wearing the old style maitre d' uniforms down there. And I guess they're just mainly seen in the, the darkened hallways of the basement. So basements are a creepy area to begin with. And then when you start adding in ghosts, they get a little bit more freaky, I think. I think it's one of those things where people are just always freaked out of of basements and of ghosts in basements. Um, in 2017, uh, OGPS, which is an Ontario-based ghost hunting group, they were going around the country doing live um, streaming ghost hunts. Um, this one was... They wanted to do one here in town in the hotel. It was streamed live online and I actually remember watching it. There was... The thing that I found most notable is there was a lot of glitches. There was a lot of technical glitches and I guess people say that that's what happens when it's, you know, related to ghosts. <laughs> that there's technical glitches with equipment. I don't know if that's the case, but I did find that there was a lot of glitches watching it and... You know, nothing against them, but I just didn't find it very entertaining to watch as far as ghost hunts go. There didn't seem to barely be anything that they found either. Um, that's nothing against them. That's just, you know, just how it was. You can't really control what you find on a ghost hunt. But that was an investigation done. Um, and there's been lots of investigations done over the years. There's been lots of stories of people staying there and their stories of unexplained things, um, experience unexplained events in the hotel. Um, even on one of my earlier episodes of the podcast, I talked to a guy local who'd stayed in the hotel and had his own stories of things with like, you know, a washcloth going missing basically while he was there, while I was in the same room with him. So you can check that out. But yeah, there's, I guess there's a lot of stories. Um, so while I was doing some more investigation, trying to figure out which ones I wanted to share, I did find out something that I, again, hadn't known, is that there's cases of people having strange dreams, specifically while they're in the hotel, shared dreams and strange dreams. And so there's a, two cases of those that I found. So we'll go through those. Um, the first one is this is written from the person's point of view and they're anonymous um so they said my family and i we live in thunder bay but just as a night out together from home we thought we'd go to sleep at a hotel across town called the prince arthur hotel it's very old but very nice during the night the tv turned on around two times of course that could have been something that happens quite easily in hotels but it still scared us because of the loud noise and the flurry screen popping up in the middle of the night and i think by flurry screen they just mean like the snow on the screen but this is in their words <laughs> um we didn't really think anything of it and we easily went back to sleep a little while later i woke up with the feeling of heat stroke and the room was cool as i remembered it but still it was a long night and everyone was really tired 
We sl- so we slept until morning. In the morning, everyone looked really restless, except my little sister, who slept through the whole night. I remember dreaming of a funeral and feeling really depressed in that dream, and it felt like I was actually there watching it happen. My dream was cut short when I woke up with the heat stroke. I fell asleep again, this time dreaming of that I was watching the roof of the Prince Arthur Hotel. And there was a man, I don't quite remember all of it anymore, but he looked horrible, cut, bruises all over him. Behind him, there were three floating stars or orb-like lights, and I remember feeling confusion or disappointment, maybe depression. I'm not quite sure, but I remember getting scared. I don't remember anything else. Everything just blacked out and I woke up. Anyways, my grandmother and mother were talking, and all I was thinking about was my dream. They were talking about how they had the exact same dream as each other about a funeral. So I told them I too had a dream about a funeral. It scared all of us, and to this day, we never went to the Prince Arthur since, and at least not to sleep there. So there's a case of a family staying in the hotel and all sort of sharing the same dream, um, having the dream of a funeral and feeling depressed and, you know, a lot of confusion and a lot of down, I guess. So, you know, it's probably very emotional, emotional ties in in the hotel. Um, so I did find another case with people having weirdness going on, and this was their story. <laughs> I was in town on business and staying at the Prince Arthur. The very moment I walked into my assigned room, I was met with a very forlorn, melancholy, and somewhat disturbing feeling and the atmosphere about the room. This feeling went to my very core, and since I was exhausted, I simply went to bed. I found that I was unable to sleep in this room without a light on, which is very strange for me. I had to leave the TV on and the bathroom door closed in order to feel safe. I also sensed a clear aversion to the bed against the wall, and I had to sleep in the bed closest to the door. That first night, I had terrible, horrible nightmares. Most vividly, I dreamed of an accident that in my room, or in my dream, had occurred in my room. I have not yet done any research on the hotel, other than that it was built in 1911. In my dream, a man had been murdered in my hotel room, stabbed to death in the bed, and there was blood soaked all over the sheets and mattress. Throughout the dream, it was as if I was being shown a play-by-play of these horrible events. I moved to my I moved around the hotel through the hallways on each floor and remembered exactly how they looked. This is odd as upon checking in I went straight to my room. I was too tired to look around, so I had not yet seen the rest of the hotel. Yet in my dream it was an accurate representation. I woke very restless, disturbed, and even confused. The next day I misplaced several personal items in my room within an hour's time. I cannot recall where I put my coffee cup jewelry after my shower and it took me nearly all day to find these items again so there's another case of people having really disturbing dreams um the same sort of feelings of depression and confusion and melancholy and disturbance and it seems like it's a very emotional thing that happens in this hotel and in these rooms and it it kind of makes me think there's whether people die there and are haunting it I know that there's a least bad energy and that's something I you know I actually believe in is that there could be bad energy in places and that could just be something that's in the hotel that there's just a lot of bad energy it's an old building with a lot of people that have stayed there through the years and you find in places like hotels I guess we have a lot of people coming and going that you know depending on what their emotional states are at the time they could be people that are 
you know, going through a rough patch or just feeling super emotional. And then they leave that. They leave that bit of energy and that mark of themselves in the room. And it just stays and gathers and festers and until your hotel is haunted. Um, a couple years ago, they decided to undergo a big renovation in the hotel. I don't know if that's either, you know, cleansed some of the bad energy or if it's kicked up more bad energy as can sometimes happen with renovations in those type of buildings. But we'll see. Um, and yeah, it just continues to be one of the most well-known haunted places in town. Um, it's a beautiful hotel, beautiful old old hotel, but it's it's haunted. So it's something that I kind of wonder, like, if I should go and stay there and do like a, like a little mini ghost tent while I stay there at the time. Like either try and get in room 203, see what they, like what the hotel says about someone staying in there, especially after it's been renovated, or just try and figure out you know, maybe what floors are more haunted than others and see kind of what goes on there. So yeah, there's a, another wonderful haunted hotel in my town and another great episode of the podcast for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast apps. Just look for the podcast and as well, the Podbelly Network. Check them out at podbelly.com on the internet for all your podcast needs and wants and you can find my shop at shop.littlegeekloss.com with all my fun t-shirts as well as everything else you know for me at littlegeekloss.com on the internet 